What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Missing Persons. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Speaking of Missing Persons, and welcome to the new listeners. Before we get started, quick shout out to our newest Patronies, their badasses, Taylor Eddy and Jason Horton. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. Um, and if you're not going and getting subscribed to the Patreon, you're missing out. There's bonus episodes there every other weekend, and you should definitely go check that out. Links are in the show notes and episode notes. So that stuff said... Let's just hop right in. Sarah, who are we talking about today? We are going to talk about a woman named Alexis Ware. She was 29 years old and the mother of two when she went missing from Anderson, South Carolina on January 30th of 2022. Oh, oh boy. Wow. So just last year. Yeah. She was a hairstylist that loved fashion and doing makeup. She wanted to expand her Instagram followers and become an Instagram model. At the time she went missing, she had photo shoots lined up to model for Instagram. She was also in the process of moving to Atlanta, Georgia to open up a boutique. Ooh. Nice. The weekend she went missing, she had been staying with family about 80 miles from her home in Greenville, South Carolina. So she lived in Greenville. Her family lived 80 miles away. Okay. Her mom, Alberta, said Alexis showed up with her daughter and son on Friday night. Alberta fed them, and then Alexis went to take a nap. She said... When Alexis got up, she was not acting like herself and seemed like something was freaking her out. She was even crying about her upcoming birthday and told her mom that she didn't think she was going to make it to her 30th birthday, which was just a couple of months away. I wonder if she had one of those dreams where you, you know, quote unquote, see the future. You know what I'm talking about? A premonition style dream? I don't know. Maybe. I don't. I don't think so. Hey, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Yes. You've never had one of those dreams where you, like... I've had deja vu. Well, yeah, it's you have a dream, and then, like, later that day or sometime that week, whatever it was you dreamt happens, you're like, whoa, deja vu. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Okay, so her birthday was a big deal, and she usually started planning for it, like, months in advance. And this year, well, in 2022, she, it was, like I said, just two months away and she hadn't done anything to prepare for it. On Saturday, the 29th, Alexis kept getting phone calls. When her mom asked her, you know, who was calling her over and over, Alexis told her it was the devil. And that she did not know how the number was getting through because she had blocked it. And she even showed her mom that the number was blocked. Weird. 
The yeah, night I was, was going to say the same thing. That night, she told Alberta that she thought someone was following her, but would not go into detail with her mom. Alberta tried to get Alexis to stay at her house, but by Sunday, Alexis seemed to be doing better. She had gotten up, took a shower, put on makeup, and this kind of all made her mom feel like, okay, she's fine now. Right, back to normal. Right. Even still, Alberta called Alexis that afternoon around 3 p.m., which was about when she should have been getting home they video chatted and they talked for a few minutes but alexis was about to take a nap so they got off the phone like her mom physically saw her in her bed okay i mean that's good that's a solid you see her she's all right everything's going okay got it now a few hours later Alberta received a phone call from the father of Alexis's son, his, her two-year-old son. His name was T.J. Patterson. He asked Alberta if she had talked to Alexis, and she was like, no, not since 3 o'clock when I video chatted her, you know? And he told her that Alexis called him, asked him if she could have some gas money, he told her he would meet her at the 7-Eleven in Anderson, South Carolina, around 7.30. Um, so they get to the 7-Eleven. He gets her gas. Then he takes the kids, both kids, because she, I guess, asks him to take the kids. Now, Alberta knew something was wrong when he called her, because he never called her. Right. The story he told Alberta and later the police is that after the gas station, she was going to follow him to his mom's house and then go back to her mom's house. Now, a lot of people question this because they think it's really weird. Like, why would she be like, hey, can you just take the kids and then follow him? That's what I was thinking. That was my immediate thought. Like, what is the reasoning behind her following him anywhere? No one knows. That doesn't make any sense. He said that once they left the gas station, she, like, shot around his car at a high speed and made a quick right at the red light and, like, disappeared after that. He repeatedly tried calling her but got no answer. This is when he called Alberta. Alberta had no clue that Alexis was planning to drive all the way back to her house that night she didn't know why she would tell tj this she called alexis's phone multiple times as well but her calls were just going straight to voicemail her family became even more concerned when they could not get a hold get a hold of her the next day on monday the 31st she had an appointment at the lottery office to cash in some winning lottery tickets And she did not show up for that. This is when Alberta's sister is like, screw this, I'm going to file a missing persons report on Tuesday, February 1st. Because like a lot of people in the United States, Alberta kept thinking she had to wait 48 hours. Yeah. And her sister was like, I don't give a shit what they say. They're going to listen to me. So, investigators viewed the footage from the 7-Eleven after they talked to TJ, 
and they confirmed that they were both there in separate cars. They can't really say what happened completely because while they're sitting there in their cars, a delivery truck pulled in and blocked the cameras. Of course. From what they got of the video, though, it does... It didn't appear like Alexis and TJ had any kind of fight or anything. Like in the video, she's in her car, he's in his car, he has the kids in his car. And it does show both of them pulling out of the parking lot and her speeding past him. It corroborates his story then. Yeah. Yes. At least to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, not necessarily the, you know, there's no audio, so they can't confirm that she was like, yeah, I'll follow you to, you know, wherever, but at least that they met, there did not seem to be any conflict, and he left with both the kids and she sped off. Right. So, so far his story holds up. Right. Which I did not expect. No. No, I expected the footage to be different than what he claimed it to be. Yeah. The case got a lot stranger when Alexis's 2019 red Honda Accord was found on February 2nd in McCormick, South Carolina, which is 30 miles south of Anderson. A farmer reported that the car had been parked on a dirt logging road in a heavily wooded area that was on his property. At first, he thought it was like a worker because they were logging that area. Right. And so he didn't report it to police initially. But when it was still there by Wednesday, he was like, okay, maybe I should tell somebody. The thing about it is, is he didn't know exactly when the car showed up there in the first place. Yeah. He just knew he saw it either Monday or Tuesday. If he reported it on Wednesday. Right. Which was the second. Yes. That means that it, if he did see it two days before, that it would have been there the same day that she sped around No, her. that happened on Sunday, which was the... Wait, am I confused? It was... She got reported missing on the first. Did I mess... Up the dates. So Tuesday was the 1st. Monday was the 31st. That's when they uh, just couldn't get a hold of her all day and she was supposed to go to the lottery office. Gotcha. The 30th was when she sped around TJ and... Oh, okay. I I got the 30th and 31st confused. Okay, so then, yeah, if he... Would have seen it Monday. It would have been the day after. Right, which would make sense if it got parked there Sunday night and he just wasn't in that on that part of his property. Right. When police searched the vehicle, first of all, on the outside of the car, they found her black hair bonnet, which she was seen wearing in the video footage from 7-Eleven, but it was just laying on the ground. Then no, in, not good. inside the car, they found her purse with her wallet inside. So all of her identification, credit cards, all of that. Her cell phone. Some reports even say her daughter's cell phone was in the car. The car keys were still in the car. 
and those winning lottery tickets were found inside the car. Now, they also found a bag of clothes in her trunk, which people think, like, points to she was leaving, but I can tell you right now, I have a bag of clothes in my trunk, and I'm not going anywhere. I mean, I understand some people use their cars as their closet. Yeah, I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Coat closet for me. Mine is a hoodie closet and shoes. Anyway, the McCormick County Sheriff's Office, along with 10 other agencies, came together to, like, try to execute a grid search of this 220 acres of land near where her car was found. Oh, boy. They used canine units, cadaver dogs, and helicopters, but they found no sign of her anywhere. So, uh, Sheriff McBride, he works with the Anderson County Sheriff's Office, said that searching this area was, like, so vast, he said it was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. The Anderson County Sheriff's Office took over the case since that was the last place she was seen. They have obtained numerous search warrants and spent hours reviewing and analyzing things that were found during their searches. Her family was told that her car was spotted twice at an apartment complex on that Sunday, so on the 30th. I'm Um, wondering if, did they say whether it was before or after the time frame when she was seen with her kid's dad? They are not saying anything about that they literally even to dateline they said they could not give any information about these sightings at the apartment because of the ongoing investigation they wouldn't even say whether the car was seen by people or if it was seen by surveillance on camera Sheriff McBride also stated that there were reports that she potentially went out of state that night but that the last confirmed sighting of her was at the 7-Eleven, which makes me believe it wasn't video footage from the apartment. It was people saying, we saw her car here twice. Because if they had video footage, that would be confirmed, I would think. Yeah, I would think so. And that would also give cause for the police not to put that out because they can't necessarily verify that. It's not like right. hers is the only car of her type and color. So unless they saw her directly and say, we 100%, we saw her, that's right. not verifiable. Exactly. Now, Alberta said that Alexis did not know anyone that lived in that apartment complex that she knew of, um, but they went there anyway and handed out flyers and they talked to as many people as they could they found no one that had seen or knew alexis when interviewed by dateline alberta said she truly believes her daughter was in danger and gave the kids to tj to keep them safe neither she nor alexis's brother travis felt at the time that tj was involved but Travis felt like he knew more than what he was saying. Mm, like she may have talked to him that day at the gas station. Right. I mean, it's possible, but unless she just said, you know, told him 
what was going on said mum's word like keep it between us I don't see why he wouldn't say anything but even then like if she just up and disappeared you would still think eventually he would have said something I mean it's been over a year at this point right and all he was telling police was like the story of Seven Eleven and that he went home and then he went to work the next day which they did confirm both of those things but I went on the Facebook page that was created to help find Alexis. And people on there have a very different feeling about TJ. Someone posted emails on January 23rd of 2023 that were allegedly sent by Alexis to the leasing office of her apartment complex. They paint TJ as a very scary guy that was physically abusive to Alexis. Well, not to downplay the the dangers of, you know, spousal abuse, even if it's from an ex, I think it's still considered spousal abuse, but not to downplay that, but if you're looking at the footage from the 7-Eleven and his story has been corroborated after that of going home staying there and then going to work the next day, I don't see how he could have been involved with her disappearance. Plus, if he's that dangerous and abusive, why contact him and then you voluntarily go meet him and then give him children? Here's the thing. I couldn't find any reason for that. But... Her mom found these emails on Alexis's laptop where she was writing back and forth with her leasing office trying to pretty much get out of her lease to move to Atlanta secretly where TJ would not know she was leaving because she was so scared of him and him trying to take their son completely and him trying to hurt her. Because from what I could see, this was a guy who was in and out of prison a lot. You know, I wonder, okay, and bear with me here, this is just a theory, but what if, like, she's in this situation and she knows, you know, he might be an abuser to a spouse, but not to children, and she's trying to... Right, she never said he, in the emails, that he did anything to the children. Right, so maybe she's thinking, okay, well for my own safety I need to get you know get the fuck out of here I know he's not gonna hurt the kids she's trying to leave secretly maybe she says okay I know that we were well cared for here you go man and then disappears herself I don't know but I have like some of the email stuff oh okay so in the email she explained that she was scared of him And was trying to get away without him knowing she was leaving. She explained that she was cutting ties with everyone. So he would not find out what she was doing. She said she was moving to Atlanta. That she no longer um, met up with him to exchange their son. That she was currently meeting his mom. And that she hoped that that would continue once she moved, that they would just, his mom would meet her halfway because she didn't want him to even know what part of Georgia she was moving to. 
She also attached text messages between the two of them to these emails. There was a picture of her with a really bad busted up face, like bloody. The text message doesn't really look good for him when you read it because it's he he is it claims he said you just don't know how much I hate you and want to hurt you don't fucking text me period and her reply was I won't and then she wrote I just got through telling your mom everything don't worry and his response to that was bitch die now keep in mind these are alleged messages the facebook the facebook post goes on to say that alberta found the emails and now she believes that tj set up her daughter and that his motive was that he didn't want her to move to georgia so she believes that he had some of his prison friends hurt her mm-hmm. for him so he couldn't be wouldn't be linked to it is what i'm assuming i mean it's possible oh there's so many different yeah so many different ways that this could have gone down i know generally a mom's not going to she's not going to drop her kids off with the ex and take off so I don't, even though that was kind of the theory that I posited a minute ago, I don't really think that that's the most likely, but I don't see anything that necessarily rules that out either, but n- learning more about the relationship with the ex, he does seem more dangerous than I originally thought, and I don't know, it's, it's there's a lot of maybes and well, if type of situations here. What is the most odd to me are the emails that are in such detail to a leasing office i understand that that you're kind of like i understand you're scared and you want it to be a secret but i unless you are close with the person running this leasing office or the person that you know yeah, it seems like at you're the leasing office explaining more than you really need to. yeah you're going into far too much detail for somebody that you're just leasing an apartment or a house or whatever it is. It just seems really odd to go into that much detail about your situation and also attach text messages of the situation. I don't know if she was like doing it though to try to get out of her lease. And like maybe she thought in her head, I need to give as much detail as possible so that they understand like how scared I am because he knows where I live and he's done these things to me before. I mean, maybe, but I think from the sounds of it, police have been involved in the past. I could be wrong, but that's kind of not the way between the two of them. She not that I could find. She never called the police on him. For See, what and he that's did. Really? that's the strange. Like why? Give that information to a leasing company and not give that to a police department and file for a restraining order. Like, I feel like, I don't know. It's very strange to me. I don't know. Because I'm going to say that they went from being on the same side. Like, she, Alberta thinking that, oh, she trusted TJ to take care of the kids when she was getting stalked by somebody and 
somebody who was harassing her to finding these emails and now they despise each other literally to the point where he even started coming out and saying things about her claiming that she was involved with Alexis's disappearance and that she wasn't actually missing that Alberta was just hiding her oh boy and so polygraph tests were taken on both sides his they claim was inconclusive but so was her mom's so i will tell you from facebook it led me down this rabbit hole of youtube where there's like a two-hour interview of her mom and i'm pretty sure it's tj watching this interview and pausing it and giving his feelings about what is happening and what she is saying yikes okay you can go check that out it was a lot it's a lot of hatred right now between the two sides they're pretty much blaming each other when in reality this could be somebody that was stalking her on instagram yeah because that is very much a thing yeah that is very much a thing. And some reports I saw said that she had even told her mom that she was being followed by a black truck. But it doesn't seem like anything has went anywhere with that. I'm really curious how far into this whole the devil's calling me and that kind of stuff she went. Because if that intensified according to her mom she would not go into detail she did say that she was constantly dealing with creepy men is all she would say from instagram Mm -hmm. and that this person who was calling her not like over and over again that saturday she just kept telling her mom it was he was the devil Oh, okay. So it was metaphorical in right. the way that not she like used he's it. Not like he's not like it's the devil. Like this dude is the devil. Gotcha. Okay. Like he's she's potentially met up with this person or has spoke to them and right and has now learned I gotta stay away from this person as much as humanly possible. He's actually evil. Yes. Gotcha. That's how she. But she wouldn't give. From what Alberta says, she wouldn't go into detail. About, like, what was actually happening, why she thought somebody was trying to kill her. None of that. You know, after hearing all of this, I think that's probably the most likely is that there was some... Creeper. Yeah, some kind of creeper. And she felt she was in legitimate danger. They potentially set her up for trafficking. That's what I kept thinking, is that she was being set up to traffic her. Because obviously, I don't think the mother's involved in any way. And from the sounds of it, even though the boyfriend might not have been, or ex-boyfriend might not have been the greatest of people, I don't think that he, like, from what you've told us, he doesn't sound like he was necessarily involved either. It just, it sounds like there was a third party here that we haven't figured out who they are yet. That's what I think. They're responsible. And I think if she was at that apartment after the 7-Eleven, like, they're not saying, like, was she driving the car? Was it just her car that was seen? Like, had somebody already 
taken the car. Like, all that kept coming to my mind was the case that just happened here, like, a month or so ago, where the woman got kidnapped and taken to that dude's apartment, and then he ditched her car streets away and left her dead body in his apartment, and he just bounced. Yeah. No idea what you're talking about. That literally just happened here, right in Maryland Heights, like, a month or so ago. She went there. They were acquaintances. They had met a couple times, and she went there to hang out with him after work, and he killed her and then took her car and dumped it and then left her body just in his apartment. Like, locked the door and left because he didn't know what else to he do didn't know what else with to her do. after that. Like, he didn't know what to do. So he just locked the door and left his apartment and never went back. Yeah, and then he was seen on surveillance driving her car. But it took them like a week and a half to figure it out. So that is what came to my mind is like, was she left at that apartment while they ditched her car and they trafficked her from that apartment complex because it didn't sound like that great of a freaking apartment complex. That's highly possible. Yeah. That was my thought. Anyway. This one's a lot. There's a lot happening. There is a lot happening. If you have any information, you can call the Anderson County Sheriff's Office at 864-206-4405. She was wearing that black hair bonnet, but police have that. She was also seen wearing a black jacket with a purple shirt and blue jeans. Some reports say she was wearing Crocs. She has multiple tattoos, including a, like, leaf kind of feather on the top of her right hand and then a rose on the other hand. She had... Dimple piercings, long black hair, brown eyes. She was about 5'6 and 215 pounds. So like I said, if you know anything, you can call the Anderson County Sheriff's Office because they are in charge of the case because that's the last place she was seen. Because technically, she lives in Greenville. She was last seen in Anderson. Her car was found in McCormick. And that's all I got. All right. You can go watch the YouTube video. It's intense. All right. Well, like you said, if you know anything, call the Anderson County Police Department and uh, let them know. Uh, hopefully, you know, this this woman's found. So don't forget to uh, leave us five stars wherever you're listening. Like the episode, like the show, share it with someone you know. Um, go check out the Patreon. Don't miss out on the bonus episodes. So uh, if you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send that to our email, speakingofmissingpersons at gmail.com. We will see y'all back next week. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye.